Hello everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of Getting Spooky with Knox. I am your host Knox and today we're back with a brand new Mythological Monsters episode. We'll be discussing vampires and let me tell you, I've been waiting to discuss this since I did the episode on werewolves. So let's dive in, shall we? How much do you know about vampires? Do your facts come from YA or adult romance novels about them? How about for movies or TV? Or did you dive into the lore and the history behind them? Vampires have been around for years and have fascinated and scared people across the world. They were the subjects of horror films and the heroes and love interests in novels. So what makes someone a vampire? In most stories, they say that vampires cannot walk in the sunlight or they will burn and die. They have sharp fangs and drink the blood of humans for nourishment. And they are oftentimes considered undead. As I discussed in my werewolf episode, the mythos for vampires have changed over time as new ideas and creativity have shifted the views. Vampires in some stories can walk in the sunlight, and they no longer have the classic fangs that we are all aware of. Let's take one of my favorite books, A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness, for example. Matthew de Clermont is a vampire, and he can walk in the sunlight, and he does not have the sharp fangs that are classically known for the blood drinkers of the night. In a conversation he has with our heroine Diana, he basically tells her not to believe everything she hears about the stereotypes of vampires. Quote, Am I bothering you, Dr. Bishop? Of course not, I said hastily, my throat closing at the sudden sharp aroma of cloves that accompanied his words. But I'm surprised you find a southern exposure comfortable. You don't believe everything you read, do you? One of his thick black eyebrows rose into the shape of a question mark. If you're asking whether I think you're going to burst into flames the moment the sunlight hits you, the answer is no. Vampires didn't burn at the touch of sunlight, nor did they have fangs. These were human myths, but I've never met someone like you who liked to bask in its glow either, end quote. Another factor about Matthew is that he can eat human food, but not a lot of it because it isn't nourishing to him. And they also say um, in the books that human food tastes weird, so it's just not something they enjoy doing. If they have to, like let's say they go to a human um, event where there's food and they don't want to seem weird, they might take a couple bites of food just so people see them eating and not think, hey, why is so-and-so not eating the food? But more oftentimes than not, they'll just ignore human food. It's not nourishing. They don't need it. They don't want it. In the Underworld films, the vampires have sharp fangs and cannot walk in the sunlight. They consume blood, but there's something different about them. Their eyes change color when they're feeding or on the hunt. They become this very pale blue. And I don't know if they're actually glowing or if it's just because their eyes are so pale they look like they're glowing but the eyes do appear to be glowing in some parts of the films um and I don't know if that was just a creative thing where in the post when they were editing everything they were like hey let's make them glow um but they do appear to me to be glowing at certain points of time in the movies so there's that In Twilight, the vampires either have red or gold eyes and no sharp fangs. The red and gold eyes tend to do with, like, what they eat. So the Collins have gold eyes because they feed off of animal blood. And the other vampires have red because they feed off of um, humans. I don't know why that makes a difference. I don't know if Stephanie ever cleared that up. Um... But they they have different colored eyes. I guess, I mean, 
red eyes and going to high school would be a little weird. I guess a little bit weirder than having gold eyes. Because you could look at gold eyes and be like, they just have like these really gold hazel eyes. I just, I don't know. Um, red eyes are a bit harder to explain. But at the same time, they could have worn contacts. I know like they say in one of the books, like the venom would eat away at the contacts that they put in their eyes because apparently like their eyes have venom which uh, again I don't get that Uh, it makes no sense to me like it's there's a lot of things in Twilight that make absolutely no sense to me whatsoever and no shade no shade to Twilight or Stephanie Meyer like this is her world she created it she can take as much creativity as she wants and just throw it into her novel um I just, I don't get certain things about that book. But I'm not going to go too much into, like, weird things about Twilight. Because that's not what I want to turn this into. So, let's keep going. Um, And they can go into the sunlight without fear of burning up. But the only thing is, is that they start to sparkle. And this was another thing that I didn't like. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just going to mention this. Even when I did like the books and, like, I was a huge fan of Twilight, I never got why they sparkled um and I get maybe that it was a thing like if they walked into the sunlight and they were trying to entice someone to come closer like ooh, they're sparkling what is this but also as I thought about it in a time before body glitter wouldn't someone have thought that was weird like you see someone glowing or sparkling in the sunlight when you've run the other way and vampires are super fast and super strong so why would they need this added i don't know evolutionary change to their dna to entice someone especially if they mainly hunt at night it just, it never really made sense to me. It's not one of my favorite things. I don't think Stephanie, I don't know if she ever really described it. I just, I didn't care for it. But again, no shade to Stephanie or her creativity. It's her book. She can do whatever she wants with it. How is someone turned into a vampire? This also varies from legend to legend and book to book. Oftentimes, a person must drink the blood of a vampire to become one. Sometimes, like in the Vampire Diaries TV show, you have to drink the blood of a vampire, die, and then once you come back, drink the blood of a living person to complete the transformation. If you don't drink the blood from a person, you'll just die again. In some cases, a bite from a vampire can transform you, though I think that one is used less now. Twilight is one of the stories that a bite from a vampire will turn you, but only because they have venom and that's what changes you, and it's a very painful process. And that's another thing about some vampire stories. Um, When you do the transformation from human to vampire, it is painful, but this isn't added in all the stories. I know in the Chicagoland Vampire series by Chloe Neal, it's a painful process, um, I never really understood why it was a painful process. I don't think anybody's ever really gone into detail on why it's a painful process because it would make more sense for human to werewolf transformations to be painful because most of the time their bones have to be like rearranged, especially if they take on a more wolf-like appearance. It would make sense for them to be more painful. But the transformation from human to vampire i never really understood with twilight i kind of get it because they have venom and i i guess that would be painful at coursing through your bloodstream and changing you and but other times it's not really described 
why it's painful. So I would just, I would really love for an author just once to kind of explain why they think it's painful from the transformation. But so far, I have not seen that. So just, if you're an author out there writing a vampire novel and would like to explain this to me, please feel free to email me and let me know. Um, in the Underworld movies, vampires can either be made or born, which was different because in most cases, vampires can't have children. A Discovery of Witches was one of those stories where vampires had to be made and not born. Um, and I also really like the explanation for this in in the books because Deborah Harkness really goes into detail in her A Discovery of Witches series explaining certain things and like genetic makeups and and all of that and I always found that really interesting and really cool because I'd never really seen it done before no one had really ever thought to go into detail and I get it like some people would find it boring and some people don't really know especially if it's like a romance novel they're just more interested in the the romance part of the plot than you know going into like a 20 page rant on why vampires are certain ways and why they can't have kids and all of that good stuff so I, I get it but I really did appreciate Deborah diving into the more scientific aspect of it and mixing it well with the romance and other plot lines that she had I thought it was really well done and I really enjoyed it so if you if you want to check that out if you think that this is a good story for you it's got witches it's got vampires it's got demons uh, it does not have werewolves but do, do check it out. It's one of my favorite books. I reread it every fall. I love it. And now I'm going to get off my soapbox of why I love uh, A Discovery of Witches and continue on with the episode. So where do the legends for vampires come from? Vampire legends come from like the medieval period. Legends of vampire-like creatures are scattered throughout the world and time. Old Norse legends have mentions of a creature similar to a vampire. I've even heard of some creatures that are like vampires in Jewish writings. I believe that Eastern Europe is who we have to thank for the modern-day vampire. During the 17th and 18th centuries, East Prussia had what were considered an outbreak of vampire attacks that fueled hysteria. In ancient Greece, the Greeks held a belief that once a redhead died, that they would turn into a vampire. The Greeks also had creatures that were similar to vampires known as imposia, and they were the daughters of the goddess Hecate. They were bronze-footed, and they were believed to be demonic. In Romania, the vampires were known as strigoi. They were thought to be people that had risen from the dead, and they believed that the strigoi could turn into animals or turn invisible so that they could take the blood from their victims more easily. So when did vampires come into pop culture? Well, in 1748, there was a poem called The Vampire by Heinrich August Ossenfelder. Um, Lord Byron even dabbled in writing poems about vampires, but I think the story that propelled vampires into mainstream media was Dracula by Bram Stoker. Everyone has heard of Dracula at this point. Movies and TV shows have been made about the infamous character. Dracula Untold from 2014 starring Luke Evans. Dracula from 1992 starring Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, Anthony Hopkins, and Gary Oldman. Hotel Transylvania from 2012 starring Adam Sandler, Selena Gomez, Kevin James, and David Spade. There's even an anime known as Castlevania on Netflix that has the infamous vampire in it. Uh, what is it about the fictional beings that draw people in? How has time turned them from something that needs to be feared um, to our leads in books and movies alike? And if you could, would you want to be a vampire? Could you give up the sun for eternal night? 
To be honest, I think I could because I'm much more of a night owl anyways. But the blood may be an issue for me. I'm, I'm not good with blood. And now for the question of the hour. Would you rather be a vampire or a werewolf? If you'd like to answer that question or send me your own, or if you would like to request a mythological monsters, paranormal event, urban legends, true crime, or a secret societies episode, then you can email me at getspookywithme at gmail.com, message me on Twitter at SpookyNox, message me on Facebook, getting spooky with Knox, or hit me up on my website, which is linked in both my Twitter and Facebook profiles. Also, I have a new segment that will be starting next season i don't know if you caught my little announcement um but i'm gonna be start i'm gonna start doing conspiracy theories so if you have any conspiracy theories that you would like me to look into and do episodes on feel free to feel free to send those as well i would love to know what you all would like to hear about um so yeah just be on the lookout for that next season and that's all i have for you today next week we're back with a brand new urban legends episode and i'll be taking you to india i hope y'all have a great week and i'll talk to y'all next time Bye.